Welcome to the Hope. It's nice to see all of you here. I uh, have been seeking the Lord through this fasting and prayer, or prayer and fasting as we've called it. And I really feel strongly that where I'm going to start today is something the Lord wants all of us to get. I don't care if you're young or old. You may think you've already arrived, but I know my world has, has been changed even recently as a result of some of the things that I've been learning. How many know that we should be continual learners? What does that mean? That we never stop learning. Don't arrive. Don't arrive. You know, your God, he's infinite. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. There's nothing he can't do. And he wants us to engage this world around us. Because it's awesome. It's beautiful. He designed it for you and for me. And each one of us has a place in the bigger picture. And listen, if you want to do something outside of yourself that's bigger than yourself, then I'm suggesting to you today, and those of you who are watching today on the internet, I am suggesting to you that you engage your God and let him show you what's next. And if we'll do this, <laughs> if you'll do this in your sphere, that, that little place that you and I are at, it would change who you are. There's no greater feeling than feeling like you're doing the work of the kingdom. Because that's what you were designed to do. That's what I was designed to do. Does that mean that you don't have a 40-hour or 50-hour-a-week job? No. In fact, some of you are called to be there where you're at today. If we were all preachers and, and missionaries, there'd be nobody left. Somebody's got to be out there being the salt and the, the light, or as we said last week, the salty and the lit. Somebody has to. And it's, it's not a drudgery, and, or, and it's not a, a smaller place if that's you. If you're working out there in the world... It doesn't mean that what you're doing is less than. Mary, when you go and, and you begin to, to cut some lady's hair, you are the salt and light to that woman. And God's using you. I know He has used you over the years to reach people for the lost. To the reach people who were lost. <laughs> I said that wrong. So today... The Calling of God, part one. And, and <laughs> how long is this going to be? It's going to be a while. Yes. We've got to get this. I want to see you guys so amped up for God, so lit for Jesus, that you can't wait to see what's next. And if, if you will let the Holy Spirit in, if you'll let Him begin to minister to that inner man, that inner woman inside of you, 
hang on and wait and see what's next. Because nothing God does is ever little. And that includes what's happening inside of you. Today I want to begin this series, The Calling of God. It's a subject, as I've said, that God has really opened to me over the last couple of months. I had no clue how deep this thing really went. And not only will it be freeing to each one of us, but I sense that the Holy Spirit, He is going to guide you and me into places we never dreamed of going. What you need to do, what I need to do is this. Ask the Lord, say this with me, what is my purpose, what would you have me do? What is my purpose, what would you have me do? In his book, The Call, Finding and Fulfilling the Central Purpose of Your Life, I love this guy's name, written by Oz Guinness. This guy's brilliant. I've really enjoyed his writing. But he said this, he said, Nothing short of God's call can ground and fulfill the truest human desire for purpose. Nothing short of God's call can ground and fulfill the truest human desire for purpose. Many don't even realize that that desire is there. They're trying to put other things in there thinking that's what they desire. But in reality, the only thing that we should be desiring is more of the Lord. By discovering our true purpose, we are free to pursue that purpose with passion. Then Oz gave this definition of what the calling means, and I'm going to put it up because it's lengthy. And he said, calling is the truth that God calls us to himself. Don't miss that part. Why does God call us, or where does God call us? First, to himself. You've got to start with Jesus, all right? God's not going to give you the call until you're called to him. That's step one, all right? We, that's basic uh, Christian 101. So the first step, give your heart and life to Jesus. Repent of your sins and say, Lord, I need you. I don't want to do this anymore without you. And then this part comes in. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and a dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and service. Now that's a mouthful. I get it. But it's important that we begin to understand what it is God's calling us to. He's calling us to himself first. And then he's calling us to take what he's given us, to use that passion that's within us in order to bring glory to him. Each one of us is a workman, a a masterpiece, a part of his workmanship. I don't care who you are, how messed up you think you are. You are still one of God's, and you're a masterpiece. There's no two alike. So our purpose, done with a passion and excellence, that is what brings God the glory. That is our ultimate calling. 
that is what we are going to be looking at over this next period of time as we go through this series. And, you know, I wanted to begin by saying this. You are not going to get steps A through Z in the next couple of weeks. Talking about calling, okay? It's not going to happen. Let me just set you at ease right now. For those of you who are achievers, you just better slow down and just accept the fact that it's going to take you a little time to figure this thing out. All right? Very important. In fact, what I'm going to be talking about sometimes takes a lifetime to figure out. I said this when I started. Don't think that you've arrived. You could be 80 years old. You're still not there yet. Be patient with yourself and do not let this journey become a burden on you or to you. In fact, and I'm going to talk about this quite a bit, this this idea of self-discovery, it should be, this adventure that we're on should be a joy, not a drudgery. If you're getting up in the morning and going, I wonder what God's got for me today. (laughs) Something's missing. Seek counsel, all right? Um, (laughs) We'll try to help you if we can. When God's calling you, it should be a joyous adventure. It should be fun, if I can use that word. I also don't want anyone feeling like a failure as you self-discover your purpose. You know, it takes time to figure out what we're called to do, each one of us. It often takes us well into our 30s and 40s, like that's really old. (laughs) Those of you who are my age understand what I'm saying there. You younger guys are going, oh man, that's ancient. 30 years old, man, that's that. You're over the hill, dude. Here's the thing you're probably going to fail once or twice, maybe more as you try to self-discover what God is calling you to do. But hear this part. Failure isn't a bad thing. Failure is not a bad thing. and I'm going to talk about this way more in the future, but failure is one of the greatest tools that God uses to teach us about ourselves. We discover who we really are when we fail what we can and what we cannot do, what you're not made to do sometimes. Some of us are not made to play lead guitar like Pastor Roger. Just ain't going to happen. And failure matures us. In fact, it's probably one of the most growing processes that you and I ever have to go through. So failure is not bad if if we learn from our mistakes. So if you're you're just going through life making one mistake after another mistake after another mistake, and you're never examining what's going on, that's not going to help. So I I think you get the idea. Self-examination is something that we're going to look at a lot more in the near future. It's also important that we try things on for size. I wished I'd heard this when I was 13. I really do. This may sound strange, but 
young people trying to discover their calling, in my opinion, should get a job at a fast food restaurant or something like that. Maybe a McDonald's or uh, whatever. Why? Because they'll begin to see how a business runs and what an employee is expected to do. You know, some of our kids are clueless because they've never had to work. Some of our adults are clueless. <laughs> and if you like using your hands, try to get into an apprenticeship somewhere. You know, maybe, maybe it's welding or uh, being a hairstylist or, or a mechanic or whatever it is. We need more people who are going into these uh, trades. There's going to come a day when you're not going to be able to find a mechanic. And what is most important, and I can't say this enough, is that you and I ask the Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me to do? If you honor the Lord with your life, He will bless what you do. Amen? Some of you may already feel like the Lord's told you to go to college. And, and if he has, that's great. But too many young people go to college just because somebody told them that's the thing they should do. Now hear what I'm saying here. I, I'm educated, more or less. I've been in college. I've been at community college. I've been at undergrad. Now I'm doing my master's. So I'm not anti-education. But what I am is, until the young person really has a grasp for what they want to do, what they feel God's telling them to do, then by thrusting them into a degree program, what they're really doing is what? Wasting their money. That's right. They're building up a big debt. And I, I know so many people who have gone through some four years, some six-year degrees, and then they never use it. And I'm all for discipline, but that's a long time to spend on one topic not to use it. So wouldn't it be better if, if our young people were to experience some things, try some things out? You know, uh, maybe go to a community college, take some, some classes, just to see if I really like, do I really want to be an accountant? You know, take some classes in that, in mathematics. I discovered quickly, <laughs> back in 2001, that I was not called to be a math teacher. I had it down. I had Algebra 1 down and Algebra 2 down and, and, and even a, more or less trigonometry. And then they threw that calculus in front of me. And I had the professor come. <laughs> he actually took me to his office. That's never good. Norm, are you sure you're supposed to be a math teacher? I prayed. And I realized God didn't call me to be a math teacher. He called me to be a pastor. But it, it was that failure, or almost failure, because I... I got out of there before it hit my grade. I think it was an incomplete. I'm admitting my failure. Is that okay? 
But if I'd continued, I don't think I would have been happy. I don't think I would have had the passion for it. I love teaching kids, but it just wasn't going to be mathematics. Let kids learn some things before they take the plunge into some full, really expensive program at a university. Okay? You with me? And, and here's the other thing. Some of you would say this, and you older folks, I'm moving to the other end of the spectrum. You'd say, you know what? I'd never go back to school. I dare you to say that to God. Here's the thing, and I started with this. We need to be learners our whole life. That should never end. And some of you, you know, if you're sitting at home watching eight hours of TV, can I just be blunt? You're wasting your life. I'm just saying, God has so much more for you to do. He needs you active and involved in your community, in the lives of your grandchildren. Maybe mentoring some kids. Maybe you're good at math. And and we've got young people in our schools that need mentors. Who knows what God wants to do with you if you keep your radar looking at everything. You know, don't, don't say, hey, I'm too old to go back to school. When I went back to Southeastern to finish up my degree in 2001, We had an 80-year-old student that was right next to us, my wife and I. We thought we were the older ones, and then I think I was 42 or 3. We thought we were the older ones because we were the same age as our professors. And then this 80-year-old gal comes in, and she walked the line with us. She was awesome to have in class. She was a joy. And she was an inspiration to us younger whippersnappers. I I can't say that about too many. Hallelujah. And I'm proof that you're never too old to go back to school. What you need to ask yourself is this. Is God done with me? If he is then maybe you need to start singing that song. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for a take of me home. What am I saying? If he's done with you, then prepare. Otherwise, he's not done with you, is he? My point, don't shut the door on learning, on improving yourself, looking for what God's challenging you to do next. It might be completely different than anything you've thought of up to this point. Perhaps if we kept our brains engaged, we would see less of us forgetting what we had for breakfast. Just saying. One never knows what God's going to ask you to do. Be open. Be open. So here's the key. By doing what God has called you to do, 
That always keeps you on solid ground. You know the story about the uh, person building in the sand and the other one building on the rock? I'm not going to go into that today. But when you honor the calling that's on your life, that's like building on that rock. This is one of the scriptures that I've stood on for decades, and it's related to the subject found in Colossians 3, 23 through 25. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And by the way, calling and career are two different things, but they can, they can, inter, they can intersect, okay? Not always, but they can. So I might be going back and forth a little bit because I feel like they both represent who we are. We should do everything with excellence, as this is going to point out. But the calling can be a little different than what you do for an actual career. And and I'm going to get into that way more as we move ahead with this. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. I missed a part of it, didn't I? Let me start over. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. That's what I was really aiming at. So everything you and I do should be as unto the Lord. Every single thing. The way that you're treating your spouse, do it as unto the Lord. That's a job and a ministry and hopefully a love. Right? The same with your children, your grandchildren. If you do everything as unto the Lord, then you're going to do everything well. Or at least you're going to accomplish what God called you to do. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So keep in the back of your head, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. My boss is who? Whom? Jesus Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. So if you're a slackard, (laughs) you're going to pay. There's a price. It's important that we get this. This passage has always been freeing to me. No matter what you do, and each of these things I'm about to share, they can be your calling or your career You must do them as unto the Lord. A plumber, a janitor, a mom. Any moms in here? Is that a job? Is it a calling? Yes, absolutely. A teacher, somebody in retail, a manager, a mechanic, a contractor, a nurse, or a doctor, a bank teller, small business owner, welder, lawyer, even a pastor. Do what you do as unto the Lord rather than people. This is freeing first because you never need a a pat on the back. Where's Cheryl? She's out there. (laughs) Oh, there you are. You gave me a pat on the back this morning. But how often does that happen? I had to go to you to get it, though. It doesn't happen very often. Second, if God is your rewarder, hear this part, 
he tips really big. <laughs> You're going to make out a lot better if he's your boss. Finally, I think you'd all agree that some jobs are worse than others. Mom changing those dirty diapers after they've had spinach. I have one of my boys, <laughs> he has a gag reflex. And it's, it, I used to love just watching him have to change his, di- his kids' diapers because I'm not telling you who it was, but it was funny. I like the show Dirtiest Jobs with Mike Rowe. Have you ever seen that show? I'm telling you what, he goes to places that after watching it, and I think the reason I like watching it is because it really makes me appreciate what I do. Because he goes into places where, I don't care who you are, you, most of us would probably lose it if we had to do that job, right? We'd lose our cookies. But even when your job stinks, and here's the point, the idea that you are doing it is unto the Lord. No matter how bad your job might be, it will still help you to do your best. I wanted to share a little bit of my testimony here. And you may have heard this. When we first went to Bible college in uh, Springfield, Missouri, Providence led me to work at the Assemblies of God headquarters with some of the greatest men and women of the Assemblies of God. But I was not hired there to preach nor to teach, not even to fetch the coffee of some of these great saints. Nay, I was hired to clean their toilets and their sinks. Let me add, because I was overqualified when we first moved, I had just left General Motors and my, my income was huge compared to most. I didn't know that, by the way. I was an eye-opener. I thought everybody made that kind of money. I was just grateful to find something that paid because nobody would hire me. Ah, overqualified. No, we can't use you. We'll hire you today. You'll be gone tomorrow. Nope, not going to put the time into you. That's what I kept hearing. And finally, finally, I got a job at headquarters making minimum wage, which back then was $5.25 an hour. Did I miss my calling by doing that job? I felt like the Lord had called me into ministry, full-time ministry. Well, hang on and you'll see. Here's the thing. God had a plan for me. A plan to grow me up in ways that the Bible college never could. Some of the more menial tasks that we are faced with help us to grow in ways an education couldn't. As Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise small beginnings. Are you with me so far? In fact, often, small is right where the Lord wants you and I to be. He can teach us things. Before we get moving too fast, before we have a ton of things coming at us at once, He still has our attention in those smaller situations. Back to my story. As new hires, another student named Paul and I, we were placed on the infamous pot cart. (laughs) 
Our job was to clean 66 urinals, 88 sinks, and a whole lot of commodes. Let me tell you, we spent a lot of time on our knees. On the weekdays, we went to Bible classes. And then in the afternoon, evening, we would head to headquarters where for five hours a night, we would cover four different levels, four stories, and two different buildings. And our boss, he was a commanding presence. He was an old dairy farmer from Wisconsin, and I'm telling you, if he put his hand up against mine, his fingers would be like this big. He had paws like a bear. I was just reminded of one of the, t- one of the days I was having a little rougher time. And he, he just came up and he just put that big presence around me. He says, let's pray. <laughs> he was the right man for the job. Dean made sure we did our jobs with excellence. There was no room for sloppiness, and we were never to cut corners. (laughs) We didn't realize how serious he was about this until one day we had just gotten done cleaning one of the restrooms. And he comes in, boys, turn off the lights. I'm like, huh? We want to see what you've missed. And he pulled a black light out. And he shined that thing down in the toilet. Not putting it in the water because it was electric, but just to see what we missed. And we missed some stuff. He goes, you need to do a better job. It showed that we needed to learn. Cleaning the AG headquarters building was... Dean's calling. He was passionate about keeping the porcelain clean. And it was his model that we all did our jobs as unto the Lord. That's right. No matter how menial our jobs might have been, do it as unto the Lord. At first, and I'm just being honest with you again today, Paul and I hated that job. How many of you would like to go in and clean toilets all day long? Any hands? Hmm. Nobody's hands going up. Oh, way back there. God bless you. God bless you. Can I get your name and number after? (laughs) Then one day, and, and it's probably because we heard this great message at chapel, which we heard every day at Bible college, we both decided to look what we were doing as unto the Lord. So we began to go through our prayer list together, Paul and I. We began to worship, and Paul was a a worship leader. That was his major, so it really helped. You know, I'd I'd try to sing with him, but a lot of times, though, we would just be worshiping, just lifting his name up, not necessarily singing, just praising while we were cleaning the commodes. (laughs) The other people that worked in that building probably thought we were nuts. But we didn't care. You know why? We were doing our job as unto the Lord. Jesus was our boss. 
And hear this. I love this part. After six months had gone by, and we learned how to work together, how to clean together, how to do that job as under the Lord. After six months, we got promoted. Got promoted to the floor crew, which was way better than cleaning toilets. We shampooed carpets, you know, put wax down, things like that. But I loved that job. A lot easier than I loved the other job. But here's the thing. If we hadn't gone through that, we never would have learned what was important. That no matter what we do, we're called to do it as unto the Lord. We're not given that margin of being able to say, I hate this job. If God gave it to you to do it, and you're there to do it, then do it. And do it with a good attitude. And here's the funny part. The, the two newbies that came on and took our place, I went to them and I said, hey, we figured something out after about two months that if you honor the Lord with what you're doing and just, just give Him the praise while you're doing this job, it makes it go by a lot faster. The time goes by a lot faster. They never learned that. In fact, they ended up getting dismissed about a month later. They just couldn't do the job. Some things that we learn, we have to learn on our own. And that's why it's important not to rush the process. I don't care what it is. Am I boring you? Or are you still with me? And I said this, but I just want to say it again. Time went by faster after our attitudes changed. Once we got the right attitude, it was a joy to go to work for that four or five hours. In fact, I think what I found was because I didn't have to think about it after spending the whole day learning, that job was actually kind of refreshing because I could just go through the motions without having to hurt my brain anymore. Paul and I learned one of the most valuable lessons in this life, something that all followers of Christ need to recognize. And I know you've heard this scripture. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. There are a ton of these in the Proverbs. Throughout scripture, really, God talks about this. We don't have room to let pride come in. Pride's destructive. We all want to be promoted to the best jobs with little or no sacrifice. But how many know that's probably not going to happen? All right? Unless you're, you've had a headhunter come after you, you're some CEO and they want you to be a CEO for some other big company, it's probably not going to happen. And if you were to be promoted like that, you'd probably fail because you hadn't learned the little things that you needed to understand first. Never ever think of yourself more highly than you should. God detests the proud, but he lifts the humble. Whether in your job, your home, or in your church, never think that anything is below you. It is not. None of us are owed anything. Say that with me. None of us are owed anything. 
this life, modern culture suggests that we're owed all of these benefits. But we're not. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And we're seeing how it holds people. Keeps them from moving ahead because they're unwilling to do the work that it takes to grow up. Sorry, I don't mean to preach. Maybe you know somebody that's still holding out for that big position, that big promotion. They're, they're laying there on the couch going, it's going to come tomorrow. I've known people like that. I've met people like that. The Apostle Paul addressed this in Romans 12.3, and this is the passion. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. That's good preaching right there. Instead, honestly assess your worth. Some versions say examine yourself by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement. Then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. I I didn't know I was going to be Recommending a local business, but true value. We will come back to this uh, idea again soon, but suffice it to say this. Do what God gives you to do and do it as unto Him. And hear this, if, if you are promoted, if you're given authority to supervise, don't lord it over people. Don't let it go to your head <laughs> where you treat people poorly. That's not a good boss. And hear this, if you do, God will judge you. You will eventually one day reap what you sow. Now Jesus was also clear on the idea of self-promotion. Do you remember the two brothers? that (laughs) Jesus, hey, we just wanted to talk to you. Uh, Could we be on your right and your left in heaven? (laughs) Jesus responded to their request, with Matthew 20, 25, and 28. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Look at your neighbor and say, among us, it will be different. And it will. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. As followers of Christ, we are called, even commanded, to walk in humility and to serve others. That's our calling, that's what brings God glory. That's what the pot cart taught Paul and I. We all need a pot cart kind of experience in life. Maybe you've had one. If you haven't, you should get one. I didn't ask him if I could share this, but I don't think he'd mind. I'm picking on Troy. For a short season, he worked for a a friend of ours on a farm 
And what that job taught him was, I never, ever want to be a farmer again. <laughs> Why? That's hard work. 12-hour days. About minimum wage. Manure. Cow urine. Mix those two and you have... Stanky. And he learned quickly that he was called to do something different. Back to my main verse. By doing everything as unto the Lord, it makes whatever we are doing a blessing. Remember this. My reward does not come from man. Rather, my reward comes from the Lord. Would you say that with me out loud? My reward does not come from man. Rather, my reward comes from the Lord. Now, you might be looking at your job as, you know, I'm getting a pension, health care, all this stuff. Don't look at it like that. Look at it as, you know what, Lord? You have blessed me with this career today, this job today, this position today. If it isn't here tomorrow, whatever, you'll lead me to even better waters. What that does, though, is, and, and here's something that I didn't realize. Most people today will change careers seven to nine times within their lifetime. And I'm talking about completely different things. What does that say? You better not be stuck to that job that you're doing right now because it probably isn't going to last. Now, when I worked years ago... For General Motors, everybody that hired in there was pretty much guaranteed you'll retire from there if you want to in 30-plus years, whatever that would be for each person. And you would leave with a good retirement. But it's not like that anymore. Companies don't take care of their people like they used to. People aren't as loyal to their companies as they used to be. So we need to be prepared for whatever comes next because you don't know when tomorrow is going to come and you're going to find yourself in another place. Don't let it shipwreck your, your faith. Don't let it prevent you from moving on. That's the last thing you want to do. Seek the Lord and ask Him, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? A man may hire you, but you work for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And that's free, in my opinion. So no matter what you're doing for a job right now, or career, do it as unto the Lord. It makes life so much easier, and you'll find joy and satisfaction like never before. And for those of you who are retired, here it goes. When you clean your house, do it as unto the Lord. When you keep your yard up, I always know when somebody's retired <laughs> in Mishaway. Some people, there's, there's this one little house. It's, it's like a gingerbread house. I mean, it's just amazing. It, it's awesome. The grass is like lush green all, year, all summer, not now. 
you know, and the flowers are they're huge, they're beautiful, vibrant colors, and always meticulously kept up. And I always think you gotta be retired. <laughs> that yard would honor the Lord. Don't look at my yard. It, I'm not retired yet. Volunteer at your church or some local ministry. Do what is unto the Lord. Until you are with Jesus, do everything you do as unto the Lord. As I begin to wrap this up. I said this earlier, I'm going to continue this series on, uh, I think it's Valentine's Day, February 14th. We'll come back to this. In the meantime, as you seek the Lord for your life and what he's calling you to do, what you were made to do, enjoy it. Don't let it be a drudgery. Don't look at it as, oh, I've got to figure out what I'm supposed to do. If, if that's what, how you're looking at this, you're, you're already going at it from the wrong direction. Relax. You serve God. He's not this big taskmaster up there going, figure out what I got for you to do. That's not how he is. He loves you. When you, you have grandkids, right? When they come over, do you expect them to figure stuff out just like that? Aren't you patient with them? Right? You love them and you just want to show them how to do it at first. You know how to get the square block in the square hole rather than the round block in the square hole. And it takes them a year to do that, but you know, eventually they figure it out. That's how God is with us. He knows you. I talked about this last week. He knows everything there is to know about you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your faults. Maybe those two are the same. He knows your strengths. And that's where we need to understand it. It's, what we want to figure out is, what are my strengths? As you self-examine yourself, what are my passions? You know, God puts stuff in us that draws us to what we're supposed to do. If you hate what you're doing, then you're probably missing it. Most likely. But wherever you're at right now, do it as unto the Lord. Rest in that. And then say, Lord, what's next? Show me. Show me your will, Lord, for my life. God's not the kind of God that, you know, I'm just going to hide this from you and see how long it takes you to find it. Some of us think like that. But there are things we need to learn and we need to understand that some of those little things that we're learning right now, like I learned on the pot cart, I really had to humble myself. I had to. And you know what God said to me after that six months on the pot cart? Norm, what do you think ministry is going to be like? I've shared this story before. My first job, first week we were here. The chopper pump, the pump-up station down in the basement of the church broke. 
but people used it anyway. Somebody had to fix it. Pastor Norm? That was it. I, my wife and I were it. We were, we were just starting out. There was nobody to call. I could have called a plumber. We didn't have the money. Norm? You need to clean that. You need to put a new chopper pump. I'd never replaced a chopper pump. As soon as I broke the water, pulling that thing out, man, you know how it has that little skim of water over the top? As soon as I broke that, whoo! I might as well have been in the septic tank. And for two weeks, the church stunk like septic tank. And you know what I was reminded of? I told you. And that next Sunday, I got in front of everybody and I said, I just want you to know this. If I'm willing to clean up your crap, there isn't anything I won't do for you. And that's how we started the ministry here at The Hope many years ago, almost 20. I can't believe it. Woo! What does God have for you? Would you stand with me? What were you made to do? Seek the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit pour into you and show you things you didn't know. I just feel like saying that some of you, you, you might feel like, well, Pastor, I don't have a whole day or a five hours a day that I can spend seeking the Lord. You know what? Take ten minutes then. Break it up. Ten minutes in the morning, ten in the afternoon. Don't let that keep you from what God has for you. If you will give Him any time He'll lead you. He'll show you what's next. Always be a learner. Never think that something or someone is under you. And as followers of Christ, remember, we are all called to serve. Amen? Your calling may be to lead millions, (laughs) or it may be to clean the toilets of kings. What you do does matter. What does it matter? What does matter is that you do everything as unto the Lord. Father, again, we are actively seeking your face. This has been two amazing weeks, Lord, as we have dedicated our, our, our prayer and our fasting around this idea of seeking what you would have for us, for this church, for our community, even for this world. Lord, help us to grow in Christ, in our faith in you, in our uh, calling, whatever that might be. Help us to understand what it is. If you're here today and you'd say, you know, I I just don't know what that is, but I want to know. Would you just lift your hand up? If you're at home, just lift lift both hands up if that's you. You just want to know what your calling is. Hallelujah. 
God, you see these hands. And I just pray that you would reach out to them right where they're standing and just confirm, Lord, to them what it is you're asking them to do, what you've called them to do. What's their part in the bigger picture? What, what piece of the puzzle are they bringing? And Lord, for those who have failed, I pray they'd learn from those experiences. Help them to be, to be better people than they are or were to grow from that experience. For those who have figured out what it is, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't feel like they've arrived, but they'd have the, the genteel attitude that they're still learners. There's always something that they need to figure out, something new, because that's the kind of God you are. Help us, Lord, help this church to grow, to multiply, that we would be so healthy that it would just explode, Lord with new souls, baby Christians, disciples who love you and are dedicated to finding their place in this kingdom. We yield to you today, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And we commit each one of our people into your hands, Lord. Their calling, their career, all of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Woo! Part one. Hey, good news. We have a treat tonight. That's right. Or if you're at home and you want to come in, if you can. So tonight is from 5.30 to 6.30. It's our last night of prayer on Sunday night. We hear this. We're going we're gonna to just worship the Lord. And we've got this uh, daughter-son, daughter-dad team coming. Uh, I've not heard them before, but I'm told they're amazing. They're going to lead us tonight in song. Uh, they move in the gifts of the Spirit. That's at 5.30 right here if you're able to come back. And uh, I think that, oh, we're also going to do communion tonight. So God bless you. Be safe out there. Love you.